terrible that was terrible that was terrible hi it's christina p thank you for downloading uh this episode of that's deep road sorry i you know i can't really move is what's happening okay there that's better uh thank you for downloading thank you so much uh uh, uh hold on oh, god damn motherfucker okay there there we go better uh yeah thanks for being here very exciting stuff coming up um first i would like to announce my very first theater show um, it's going to be December 8th in New York City. I'm doing the Gramercy Theater, and there's going to be a pre-sale for tickets starting Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with the password jeans. So if you want to get your pre-sale tickets, uh, go to my website Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can use the password jeans plural and get your tickets in advance for december 8th gramercy gramercy theater i'm so excited i'm just so excited for that one uh so there you go also april 29th san francisco Cobb's comedy club those tickets are moving fast 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 we're almost excuse excuse me out of um out of tickets there for that show so if you guys are interested i would say buy those tickets now May 4th, Huntington Beach Rec Room Comedy Club. May 9th, Oxnard, California at the Oxnard Levity Live. Very excited to, excuse me, check out that venue. So tickets are at Christina P. Online. Uh, it's so funny, Christina P. Online. It does sound like it's a 90s website, doesn't it? Christina P.net was taken and I had to do Christina P. Online. Who am I? What's going on? I don't fucking know. Okay. What else? Uh, Amazon, are you doing your shopping? Please use my banner when you do that. What does that mean? Go to thatsteeprowpodcast.com. Click on the banner at the bottom of the homepage when you do your shopping for Amazon. And uh, if you click through my banner, do your shopping as you normally would, it just kicks back a little bit of change to the show and helps things run smoothly. Okay. There you go. Easy peasy. Okay. Let's go on. Let's go on with the show. Who do I have? Oh, I got Let's play the Breeders because they just did a show in LA, which I did not go to, but I saw bits of it on Instagram and it, they're so good. They're still so amazed. And um, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. 
I like it. I like Kim Deal. She's the best, right? Come on. There's nobody cooler than fucking Kim Deal. No, like legit, nobody's cooler than Kim Deal. Because I think there are a lot of us that are like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a I don't give an F what people think about me. Well, Kim Deal really does not give an F uh, about her appearance. If you Google a picture of Kim Deal, other than in the 90s when she was doing promo shots with the Pixies and she was like super cute. I'm not to say that Kim Deal is not cute now. She is. But this woman legit does not give an F. Like she, um, she'll wear like no makeup a lot. No makeup a lot. And I mean, not even a drop. And then usually these t-shirts that you find at thrift stores and, um, and, and like not the cool ones. I mean, there's a famous one of her and the Pixies with a Phantom of the Opera shirt. They're not fitted at all. They're like, they're two sizes too big. And she'll wear like khakis and sneakers. Super understated, but uh, it makes it does make you focus on on her as an artist. Isn't that interesting how that kind of works? Any hoodles? Uh, good. I hope you have a. I hope you've been doing well. I've been doing well. My husband's out. Uh, out of the state. I, I hate when he's in, he's in Atlanta working on this movie. And I just, I hate it because I miss him so much. And we're like Brussels Griffon. We're a bonded pair. And um, I just, I, I hate knowing that he's not around. I really, I do. We, we are like an old married couple in that I just, I need to have him. I need to know that he's just there, even if he's just farting and breathing next to me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to him returning. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, my son has gotten into Mickey Mouse, which is really interesting because who doesn't like Mickey Mouse? I mean, uh, you don't have a fucking heart in your body if you don't like Disneyland. I think Disneyland is the most amazing thing, most amazing uh, creation on the planet. Walt Disney was a uh, a misogynist, uh, an anti-Semite, <laughs> also a perfectionist. Um, also, uh, a visionary, um, I mean, if you listen, if you go, uh, the, my, the Haunted Mansion is my favorite, favorite, obviously, uh, cause I'm a goth and, um, I mean that down to like all the background noises, if you listen to the sounds in the Haunted Mansion, I mean, I think Walt like sat in on those sessions and was like, no, 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 you need that to sound creepier. This needs to be more like this. It's just, it's so phenomenal. There's no litter on the ground at Disneyland. It's just magical. Not even a cigarette butt. You can't find one. Because they, and also they kick out the riffraff, which is, uh, which is fantastic. So they don't, you don't ruin some family's day. Um, But my kid's into Mickey Mouse now, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club, the new ones. And man, I got to say that if Walt, uh, he's got to be rolling in his grave right now because the quality of this animation is such dog shit. I mean, it's like done on a home computer. I think someone, some lackey does it on their Apple and then hands the shit in. And it's like, it's so phoned in now. And I, I used to work in animation and I, I know how much pride Disney takes in, in what they do. So this is like, I don't know what the fuck is happening here, man. This is like disastrous. Cause back in the day, I mean, when animation was hand done, these people would like paint cell by cell they have a team of people men only women women weren't allowed to uh, paint cells in disney's time uh but a group of dudes would just hand paint these every single individual cell and it would take so long to make a feature film and and it really shows that quality if you watch like the fox and the hound well look at that man that's all that's all hand painted and it looks amazed 
Uh, but besides the shitty quality, uh, it's like they're uh, the the characters now are like everything's about breaking the fourth wall and talking to the kid directly, it, which is a very I mean, look, growing up. I'm just saying, I just, I feel like that's so fucking bizarro. Like, where do you think the tool is, Mickey? Where do you think it is? Hey, you watching us. Hey, hey, get self-conscious. Don't allow the child to have an imagination and be inside the story. Let's make sure to get everybody involved on a personal, like, why, why do we have to cater to the kid at every, like, why can't a child just enjoy you know, the the story of, of watching someone else's life unfold, right? Like, it's and the stories were like, uh, I don't know, Porky Pig finds a gun to shoot the the hunter that's trying to hunt him or whatever the hell thing uh, that was really indicative of real life and, and kind of how the world worked a little. So you learned about how the world worked through cartoons uh, from, you know, clearly a very unpolitically correct time in our in our American society. But like, I remember kind of it it, it making me aware that that there were struggles in adult life and that you could take matters in your own hands and maybe you did them comedically and they were that not the right way of doing it, but that, uh, that life was about struggle and you just kind of have to figure out how you were going to take care of it. And so I think not showing that stuff is, is a real detriment to, uh, to, to, to the youngins, especially this horse shit of like, Welcome to the Mickey Mouse Club. Hey, what's your name? What are you doing? Can they really go here over here? What which tool should I use for this thing? Like, what the fuck, man? Let, let the kid be a passive viewer for just once. For once, when my kid eats, like I don't, I don't let him watch hours of the shit. But when he uh, try to get a two year old boy to sit down and eat, okay, it's really impossible, especially around dinner time. They're freaked out. You got to hypnotize them with something and then sneak food in their mouth. That's how you do it. You, you just trick them. But. Uh, <sighs> It's like, it's hard for me. And I don't want him watching bullshit either. I feel like today, I I don't even know what's cool right now for the kids to watch, but I I don't like him watching total bullshit either because I want to take him to Disneyland. I do. I want him to experience the magic. (sighs) Okay. So primarily, I I also want to discuss for a moment the side hustle and making the side hustle your primary hustle. This is a topic I will say I'm fucking very versed in because I did this for the last 10 to 15 years. Um, no, wait, how long did it take me to make my side the primary? Oh, a while. I would say seven or seven years, seven or eight years. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to say a few words on that because I do get a lot of emails on how do I, how do I turn what I love into being my primary job? Do I just quit my day job and, um, and listen to a lot of Tony Robbins and get myself all hopped up on the idea that the universe will provide and then just white knuckle and uh, let my savings dwindle and uh, essentially fuck myself out of out of any sense of security just for the sake of pursuing the, the side hustle. No, that is not how you do it. Um, and I, I think that what is lacking in the self-help movement and the motivational movement is... Uh, this idea that like, Hey, all you got to do is believe you got to leap. The net will appear and, um, you know, miraculous things will happen. They'll happen quickly and you will just become the entrepreneur of your dreams. And I have to tell you that nothing is further from the truth in terms of a timeline of that happening. Okay. So, um, at least people I know, 
God damn, I'm so gross. I'm so gross. I'm so sorry. This pregnancy shit makes you so disgusting. Uh, But in terms of a timeline for making stuff happen, and this is people in all walks of business life I've spoken with, um, it seldom happens in the time frame you want it to. So, okay, let's say you have a nine to five and you're not really happy and you have this idea and you'd really like to strike out on your own. Um, Maybe you want to do your own version of the business that you're working in currently. And how do I do that? How do I make the side hustle a primary? I... um, it's it, the, the way to not do it is just to quit the nine to five full stop and then hope that you have enough savings until you make it with the side hustle. That's kind of not, not really accurate in terms of how things work. So, so what do I do? Uh, if you can, I recommend working a nine to five. And by that, I mean a strict hourly nine to five gig you clock in, and when you clock out at a decent hour, you forget the job. It doesn't come home with you. It doesn't consume your weekends. It allows you free time at night and on the weekends to do what? Work on the side hustle. Okay, if you can't do that, I recommend finding uh, ways to supplement your income as you're working on the side hustle. So that could be in, in, in this economy too. It's, it's, you can, what is it? Dri- drive an Uber. You can sh- be a Postmate shopper. What the fuck ever? I don't know. Instacart shopper. Uh, you must keep income flowing in at the same time as you're creating the side hustle to be your primary hustle. And it does take more than six months, a year. It can take sometimes several years before you're really established making, uh, making that your primary. So I I think a lot of people get really enthusiastic and they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump in. I'm just going to see what happens. The universe provides. And they find very quickly that, yeah, it does. But sometimes it takes a while. It takes a longer time than you anticipated, um, to become the person that professionally you want to be. Don't sabotage yourself. Do not put your family in peril by dwindling your own savings have a way, a side, side, side hustle of that extra income getting put into your bank account so that you're not just living off your savings and borrowing money from people. That is not the way to do it. You must still pay your bills. You must still cover your ass. I remember what I did for years when Tom and I were just starting to be feature acts. I had savings. Yes, I had a fund specifically set aside to dip into for rent and for um, emergencies. I did have that. And then I also had, um, I started a side business, a little business. I I taught myself how to do, uh, (laughs) so silly looking back now, uh, search engine optimization. And I had a small business that I worked with and I did that for them. And I managed their Google AdWords, they're, they're at the time Yahoo Marketing was big too. I um, I updated their keyword. I did all kinds of shit, man. And I had a client, I had one client and that was like a chunk of income I knew was coming in every month so that it wasn't, if anything, we knew that rent was covered. So yeah, I, I, I just, I think it's dangerous when a lot of self-help gurus tell you like, just, just do it. Fuck it. Burn the building down. You'll do it. You'll figure it out when your back's against the wall. Yes, you will. And that's necessary. It is necessary to like put your effort into one thing and be tunnel visioned and crazy, but it's also years of being tunnel visioned. I think it's more than just a few months. It's, it is a consistency thing over time of being extremely focused and driven 
and not letting those hiccups and bumps kind of take you down. But at the same time, let yourself sleep at night. Let yourself know that you've got your rent covered and that you you can pay your phone bills and that your children are going to eat. Do not put yourself in in great peril. Uh, Because that's that's really reckless. Because what are you going to do when you do have money? You think that your mentality is going to change? Fuck no. I think money is... It's an emotional thing. Money is very little to do with physical reality. It's all emotional. And even when you have more of it, you're going to treat it the same way you did when you were broke. Um, so think about how you deal with your money when you, when you have a little bit of it. Because when you have a lot, a lot more, it's, uh, it's, an, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not very different. Oddly enough, you can still blow it. You've seen it time and time again with people, right? I know. I, I I worked with this guy, this comedian who's fantastic. I'm not going to say who, but he was um, a fantastic writer on a show and and so talented. And and he goes, well, I'm going to quit writing and I'm gonna I'm going to become a star. I'm going to do my own thing in stand up. And I go, great, that's awesome. I think you should. I think you're very talented. And he goes, yeah, I have just enough money to live for like five or six months, but I figure I should make it by then. And I go, yeah. Um, it, I don't know, man. It might take a little longer than that. And uh, and he goes, no, it won't. I don't know why. Why do you think that? Why can't it just happen overnight? <laughs> I go, okay, man. And sure enough, I ran into him, and he goes, well, I'm writing again on this other show. <laughs> I didn't say anything, but I was like, yeah, I know, I know, because it takes time. It just takes time, and you know, you want to think that stuff happens overnight, and. And if it did happen overnight, how ill-prepared you would be sometimes, right? There's always that line of thinking of like, if you wanted, you want to become a star, you want to become whatever, but uh, you don't really have the, you didn't learn the lessons along the way yet to become that person. Um, yeah, I, I don't always think about as Tiffany Haddish, because I've watched her over the years and I love her and, uh, you know, and I watched her at every stage in her career and how she prepared. And I don't mean deliberately. Yes, deliberately. I mean, she was training. She was acting. She was um, doing stand-up. She was auditioning. And, and I watched her kind of at every level. And I was like, yep, she's preparing. She's she's getting herself together for that next level, for that next level, for that next level, so that when she got to the, where she is now, she's not going to fucking implode. She knows what's up, right? Same, same with the side hustle becoming your primary. You don't, you don't want it to happen overnight. Even though it's hard, it's hard being broke, it's hard being scared, it's hard being anxious, I know. But you don't want it to happen overnight. Okay. Now, let's do... Let's get into some... Uh, let's get into some mail. I got some really great emails. Let's do the theme song. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay. Um, this one I came in a while back, and I thought I'd been thinking about it. Okay. Hi, Christine. I've been listening to your podcast, and I, and I know lately no contact has been a theme and has had, me, has had me do a lot of pondering. Long story short, I have gone through many therapists due to my chaotic childhood, and as young adults, I was raised by my grandparents since day one. 
My birth mom was a prostitute and a heroin addict, and I have never met my birth father. Everyone on my grandmother's slash birth mother's side is on drugs or has been involved in gang activity. I have had my birth mom and my uncle come in and out of my life up until I was 22 since I was a young child, i.e. them living with me and my grandparents, not my choice, but my grandmother's choice, thinking they could change and they failed every time. I took care of my grandmother while she was ill and she passed away when I was 22. My grandfather and her had separated some time before that. I have a healthy relationship with my grandfather. Anyways, after she passed, I decided to go no contact with her side of the family. I felt like after my grandmother passed away, it was like a chain broke off finally and I had no need to speak to them. My birth mom has and still tries to contact me, but I ignore her online and I have blocked many family member accounts to avoid any discussion. They were also very mad at me for not telling them when she passed away. I didn't feel the need to be too because they were, they were not there for her or me when I was the only one taking care of her before she passed away. I feel at times I am not doing the right thing. I think it's because I have longed to have a normal and healthy, stable family, which never happened. I have become successful with being the first college graduate on my grandmother's side and now working on my bachelor's in social work. Wow. Anywho, I still feel guilty and at times depressed and question if I should ever contact them. In my mind, it would be it would literally be opening Pandora's box of chaotic bullshit. How do you personally deal with feelings of guilt when going no contact? Please help with my no contact guilt. Much love, Wendy. Okay. Uh, Wendy, first of all, congratulations on college. Congratulations on getting your life. Um, congratulations. I think on, I don't know how old you are now, um, but wow, good for you. You managed to really pull yourself out of what sounds like a potentially tragic situation for you. Um, and my heart goes out to you caring about your mom. That's like probably the most devastating um, thing in the world, especially when I, I, you know, I can't even imagine uh, having a drug addict mother because it's like, I, I, I mean, I hear people feel like, well, why can't she just choose me over the drugs? You know, it just seems so um, voluntary, right? Anyways, uh, what are we asking? You're asking how you deal with the guilt. Yeah, that's a huge... Uh, a huge problem with going no contact, I think, is the initial part of feeling guilt. And for me, I'll tell you the guilt comes, uh, the guilt, the guilt came um, when I was more codependent, honestly, because let's see, let's say it this way. Uh, you wouldn't let your gardener, you wouldn't let the guy at the 7-Eleven, you wouldn't let um, a stranger on the street talk to you or treat you the way your own family members do. Yet, yet, because they're family, you're supposed to be more lenient about their abusive, horrible behavior. Hmm. That's the part I never understood. Like, wait a minute. I wouldn't even tolerate like a stranger in the street saying this kind of stuff to me. Yet, because you're you genetically contributed to who I am, I'm supposed to just suck it up and take this. This is preposterous. So, I think the healthier you get, um, and I don't again, I don't. I, you, oh, you're a college graduate, so you're you're pretty young still. 
I think if you go, I know you've had a long, I can't even imagine how many therapists you've seen. I'm sorry. Um, but the less codependent we become and the more you, you take care of yourself and, um, and the more you turn inward and the more you're in, you focused in other words, in a healthy way, I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm talking about, Hey, what's, uh, what's going to make me feel safe? What do I want? Because a lot of us who grow up in situations where that's never asked, like you don't, uh, you let other people railroad you, you let other people do what they want, right? It's all about the parents, it's all about the uh, abusive parent. They get to do what they want and you're just kind of a victim. Well, what happens when you grow up is you go, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> I, I have to maintain my sanity and I need to take care of myself. And part of that self-care is not allowing people to mistreat me. And that guilt really dissolves, really dissolves and becomes crystal clear when you have a family of your own to protect. And might I say that I understand the impulse sometimes you the impulse to reach out to these people that you kind of know are not going to be good people. You know, you've had the inclination to block them for a reason because they are probably not going to be good folks. Um, And uh, you've seen it enough, but then every now and then that, that hankering comes for family, which I totally understand. Believe me, you get, you get like, Oh, why can't I, I wish I had this thing. And then you think, well, maybe that person's not so bad. And then of course they are, they turn out to be horrible. So that's a normal longing for the thing you never had. And I believe that's called grieving for that thing you never had. And, um, yeah. So how do you remedy that? Well, I mean, is there any way to ever not be sad about the thing you never had? You never had a mom and a dad. That's terrible. That's terrible. And then on top of that, you had to care for your grandmother when you were 22. That's really a lot, dude. Of course you long for a stable, loving family life because it's something that you, you know, fleetingly had. But going to the old, the old regime is not the, it's not the answer here because you're, you're, you're hoping that, you're hoping to get uh, blood from the stone. You know, you're hoping that you're going to get a different reaction from these same types of people and it's just not going to happen that way. So, you know, you just have to acknowledge what's happening. What's happening is you you long for family. Now, I think the best way, at least in my world, I mean, I I don't know, dude, this is just what I what I know about life and what's helped me is building my own family. And putting that energy and that sadness and converting it into creating joy and positivity and and taking care of my child and and my husband and and putting my love there where it's reciprocated, where it's safe, where nobody is abusive and shitty. Um and yeah, and, and you put that energy into having a good adulthood. And uh, you know, and the sadness never really goes away of not having the stuff that you should have had. You should have had a mommy and a daddy who loved you and told you you were amazing and uh, and that you could do anything and, and that you're special and wonderful because you are. Look, you're fucking smart, man. You graduated from college. You're doing it. You're doing your dreams. You're good. Uh, don't contact these people. Just keep going. Keep going forward. If you're contacting, you're going backwards and it's... it's uh, don't even just... Don't even put the focus on you. Get your life. Get your shit through college. Go see. I don't know. I know you've been through so many, but when you're ready, maybe somebody you trust, work out some shit, 
get your life together and go meet a nice dude. I don't know if you're straight. I don't know if you're gay, man, woman, whatever, meet them and start your own thing and, and give your love to somebody who deserves it. Not some shit dick who was like your parents. And that's the dangerous trap that we fall into. Um, <clears throat> is that we tend to pick people like our folks, right? So that's the only trap I would say, not the only, but one of them. Just to be cautious, make sure you give your love to somebody who deserves it. And then focus it on that and fuck it. Don't even look back, dude. Don't even, and don't bring that poison into your, into your good things. Don't let them ruin your good life. Um, and that's what, that's what the no contact shit is all about too. It gets real crystal clear when you got kids to protect, when you're like, do I want this person, um, saying this crazy stuff to my kid? Oh no, I don't. Yeah. Later. Adios. (laughs) It's not happening. It's not fucking happening. My kid's never going to live the life I live because I'm not going to let it go down. It's never going to go down like that, dude. Ugh. Get your life, dude. No fucking way. But he's my dad. But that's my uncle. That's my grand. I don't give a shit. So what? It doesn't mean they were good parents. It doesn't mean they're good people. You know what fucked everything up is the, the Christian Bible. That honor thy mother and father horse shit. You know, a book written how many hundreds of years ago? Um, by how many different people? It's all... It's all so what? So this person said that and now everybody, you have to follow that ridiculous rule when we all lived in goddamn mud huts. I mean, and, and you beat your wife and, and like, it's silliness. It's just, it's not healthy. It's absolute, it's absolutely, it's nonsense. I know people that have so many better experiences with their step family, people who, who aren't genetically linked to them, treated them better. Now, why is that? Because it doesn't matter. You need good people raising you around you, not not good relatives. Who gives a fuck about a relative then? I have less and less regard for that the older I get. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I don't give a shit. I got friends that treat me better than anybody I've I've been related to. It's just it's hogwash. Okay. Moving on. This one's a cute this one's a cuter one. Hi, Christine. <laughs> I am a freshman in college, in community college, and I cannot seem to get myself to pull the trigger. Maybe the not best figure of speech to use in relation to school <laughs> on asking this girl from one of my classes to go out with me. Every day of class for the last several months, I have been telling myself that today is going to be the day that I ask her out. But then for some reason, when I have an opportunity, I decide that it's not a good enough opportunity and then I need to wait for a better moment. Now the semester is nearly over with just about a month left and to boot my family and I are moving to another state and another month after that, oh Jesus. So it seems to me that at this point, this girl is likely a lost cause for me. So at the very least, could you lend me some advice on going, on avoiding, sorry, this kind of indecisiveness in the future? Stay black, Tommy. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, so listen, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's so hard to ask people out. I couldn't even imagine being a dude and being in that, that position of like, ugh, it's just got to be the worst. It's got to be horrible asking strangers out on dates. Ugh. Because uh, I remember boys asking me out and then being so nervous in college. And I was like, oh, I have so much empathy for this. This has to be painful. This is so, it's painful. It's painful. Um, well, here's the thing. 
And I don't, here's the truth, okay? Because there were dudes that did ask me out in college and I was like, wait, what? You were interested in me? I'm not even sure I know you. I don't even, what? Have we spoken? Have I looked at you? And I'm not saying that to be a snob. I'm saying that because there needs to be some kind of a rapport between the two of you before it don't just go cold asking chicks out especially a young girl i mean no because that's fucking weird right i mean the only i think the best way to do this kind of shit is to slowly build a rapport okay it's uh it's little stuff if she's in your class god easy peasy right you can talk to her about the assignment you can make fun of the teacher. You can make fun of another student. Hey, oh my God, isn't that crazy that, you know, there's this guy in my, one of my philosophy classes. He's <laughs> a fucking funny ass guy. He was a baseball player and somehow he got into um, like a 400 level philosophy class. I didn't say somehow because he wasn't a major, a philosophy major. And those are generally for philosophy majors. And this guy was one of the dumbest box of rocks ever, ever, ever. And he was so sweet and he was so kind and we all loved him nobody shit on him because we were like oh that's just <laughs> that's that guy like he's the he's the dump the dipshit and he would ask the dumbest questions and we would we would all like kind of laugh to each other but nobody shit on him because we you know hey good for him like he's in our he's he's trying he's trying to be he's trying to try to do something that's co- clearly out of his comfort zone not only that like could i go play baseball fuck no i could not do what this guy could do so <clears throat> my point being do you have a baseball player in the class that you can make fun of with this girl? Can you start some kind of a thing in exchange that you guys share? You, you share a common world. You share this classroom. So there has to be something to start talking to her about with that. So you need to establish that. <clears throat> Talk to her. Does she like talking to you? Does she enjoy your conversations? Does she look nice every day? Because I'll tell you, when I was in class with a dude that I liked... Uh, I would not show up looking like shit. I would look cute for that class every time. (laughs) You know, make sure she looks nice and she likes talking to you. Because if she doesn't, don't ask her out, dude. Don't even fucking, don't do that to yourself. Now you're really asking for rejection. Um, Yeah. So, and it doesn't have to be some big, you know, I think that stuff should happen kind of naturally and organically. You're talking, you're talking, you know, you're getting along, you're getting along. And then one day you just kind of get the courage to ask her to do something outside of school. Um, And can I suggest this fucking thing? I don't know why kids are going to coffee as a date. I can't think of a worse goddamn first date than coffee. Uh, So now my breath stinks and I have to take a shit halfway through the, the date uh, in the middle of the day? Are you fucking joking? What a horrible date idea. How are you going to kiss that person? It's, it's so gross. And some loud coffee shop. No, 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 no. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to fucking do it old school like adults. You're going to go to a bar and have a drink. At the least. You're college kids, so the expectation for dinner is off the table. There's no way you can afford that. But you can afford to buy each other a fucking pint of beer or a, a glass of something at some bar near the school, right? Um, <clears throat> ask her ask her to just go to a bar and talk. I, I just, that's what girls like to do. We don't want to go hiking. We don't want to go to the gym on a first date. I remember on that show Blind Date, they'd always go work out. I'm like, this has to be the worst first date I've ever fucking seen. You know why? Because we wear makeup 
and we want to look cute. And I can't look cute if I'm hiking. Uh, and my makeup is dripping off my face and my cooch smells like a zoo. None of that's going to go down. You're not going to get lucky with a girl who doesn't feel pretty around you. Let her feel pretty. So take her somewhere nice and dark too. Dark, dark, dark. Dinner, drinks, the dark. That's how you get laid. Do you understand? Nothing fucking fancy. Well, dinner, I said you can't do that because you're a college kid. So drinks, dark. That's how you get there, man. That's how you loosen up. When has anything good ever happened in the light, in the broad daylight? When have you ever gotten really intimate and close with somebody when it's uh, bright, bright and sunny and sweaty? Come on, guys, let's bond. Are you fucking joking? And, and not only that, you know what a person's, any person's most favorite topic is? Themselves. Man, woman, goat, dog, child, people like talking about themselves. So fucking ask her about her life. What's, what's her deal? Where is she from? What does she want to do? What does this feel like? What was that like? Ask her, ask her thoughtful questions. And in terms of avoiding this kind of indecisiveness in the future, I mean, you got to be observant. So here's what you're going to do. Next time you have some chick in a class that you dig, fucking start looking at her, paying attention to what she likes. Make, just make a little comment. Get, get the conversation rolling earlier in the semester so that, you know, in a few weeks you can, you can see if she's answering. Is she talking to you? Is she laughing at your jokes? Is she, is she into the dialogue? And if she is, then you ask. Not, not, not on a cold. Don't just ask because you think she's hot. Because believe me, she's going to be like, who the fuck are you? I don't even know your name, bro. And I don't know. You're weird. <laughs> there you go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you missed out on uh, on that chick. It's uh, too bad. But, uh, well, all right. Okay. Okay, mommy. All right, see, I like this one. Here, I'm going to, I'm not going to read this whole email because I don't think I need to, because I'm going to tell you something. Okay. This is, uh, I don't know if this girl wants me to say her name. I don't know. But anyway, this girl wrote me this nice long email about, um, dating, right? Dating, dating, dating. She's dating this guy. Um, they got, they got along. Listen to this shit. We got coffee for our first date got dinner for the second and we already were agreeing on everything third date we went to a museum that's cute um and he did the typical moving forward stuff grabbing my hand rubbing my back uh this dude was everything i wanted i felt i could be myself i was i was it was great it was great fourth date went to the movies got ice cream we kissed cuddled etc etc on the fifth date uh hung out at his house because i was sick Okay, and then he starts to get weird and started mumbling about needing me to leave so he could get go to bed. <laughs> I left the bad feeling, came the next day. He texted that he wanted to end it. Not sure uh, if this is a bitch-ass move, so I called him. We chatted, and he told me he didn't know what he wanted. He wanted to protect me by ending it now rather than later. He's also said he was scared at how much he liked me and had fun with me. Um, okay, so th- this whole thing, by the way, I just want you to know, uh, let me tell you the, the truth about men. I think that m- it's pretty fucking straightforward and pretty easy. And I don't know 
I don't know why mothers aren't telling their daughters this shit, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, don't listen to these fucking guys who tell you, th- if they say shit like, you're too good for me, I'm li- I like you too much, or um, you're too good for me, this and that. The- yeah, 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 yeah. If a guy really likes you, remember that whole he's not that into you stuff? Greg Barrett wrote that great book. He's just not that into you. Go pick up that book. Go pick it up. Because it doesn't matter if it was written 20 years ago, 100 years ago, 5,000 years ago. There's absolute truth to that. If a guy likes you and he wants to be with you, he will move the mountains. He will move heaven and earth. He will make this shit happen. You do not have to do a damn thing about it. Um, yeah. So these fucking guys, by the way, that are like, I think I like you too much. You're too good for me. Ba, 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 ba. Listen to them. In that, in that, not, not, not this, this, you're too good for me shit. Probably. Yeah, I probably am. Yeah, you probably are. Uh, I like you too much is bullshit. Don't ever listen to that. That is complete, complete. Uh, he's probably fucking somebody else. It's just, or doing something stupid and. Anyways, do you really want to be with a guy that's this much drama? Oh, God. See, and and she's sending me this poor girl, sending me the text messages between them and this tortured thing of going back and forth. Like, uh, just trust me. If a guy, you're not crazy, by the way. She's asking me if I'm crazy. No. I never did half the stuff he's accusing me. Of. Okay, all, all this stuff. You're not crazy. I mean, hold on. Yeah. Okay. He's not. You're not crazy, sweetheart. He is, and that's a, that's a great trick that young guys do. By the way, is they con- and girls. No, I should say both sexes do this shit. They convolute things. They, I like you, but I can't do this. I think I'm gonna love you, but I can't do this because it's like all these weird back and forth and I like you, I hate you, the push and the pull. First of all, do you really want to be with somebody that's doing that nonsense to you? Because if it's it's confusing now, good luck. Good luck. If a guy, first of all, this is coming from a guy, a heterosexual guy, and he's doing this weird back and forth and wishy-washy shit, get the fuck on with your life. Move on. Run. Run, run, run. Go away. This guy's got so many problems. It's, it's going to be such a nightmare for you. Because the healthy guys, I hate to say this, the healthy guys, the normal ones, the ones you want to marry, the ones you want to make babies with, the one that, you, that you, you give your heart and your life to, are not that fucking complicated. They're not. Normal alpha guys this is the alpha male. I don't know shit about beta males. I don't fuck with beta males. I, I, I have no patience for this. This is not my... I'm talking alpha guys, okay? What do I mean by that? I mean the guy that likes blowjobs, hamburgers, football. That's the guy I married, and I'm happy as shit. And I think personally as a woman, I mean, I can't deal with fucking the feelings guy and the guy who wants to do yoga and with me and we talk about our feelings like two women. I can't... I don't know that relationship. That's not mine. That's not to say that my alpha male isn't very sweet and tender to me. He is, of course, but only because we have years of trust and rapport and, and, and you know what I'm trying to say. 
Uh, but a normal guy, a guy that likes his mommy, um, a guy who wants to treat you like a queen and who wants to be responsible for raising his children with you and who's going to come home when he, say, when he says he will and who's not going to go out drinking and partying and leave, and leave you wondering where he is. Um, those guys are minimal drama. I mean, those guys are no drama, really. And a lot of women don't like that because they want the drama. They want the thing. They want the, the back and the forth and the texts and the, they want to be up with anxiety at night over whether or not he likes me and da, da, da. And if that's what you want, get your life, get your ass to see a fucking shrink because good luck. You're going to set yourself up for a life of misery with guys like that. Don't you dare make babies with a guy like that. Don't you dare. Boring is great. By boring, I mean no drama, man and woman. Now, like I said, some motherfuckers like to have drama in their lives. They like the push and the pull. And does he like me? Does he not? And is he going to call me? I'm just letting you know. Uh, if that's where you want to put your drama in your life, then great. Just know that you're in for a lifetime of drama. <laughs> you're in for raising children with a guy who's going to be a fucking pain in the ass and all this. stuff. It's like a nightmare. It's a nightmare. We all need excitement in our lives. We all need a little zing. We all need to feel special. We all need to feel wanted. Um, I just think that there are healthier ways to have those needs met than creating it in your personal relationships. There's other places to feel wanted and needed and special. Uh, with your children, doing volunteer work, um, belonging to a community. I don't know. Some, for some people, that's church and, and, you know, doing those kind of activities, belonging to a group, fucking country line dancing, whatever it is. But don't bring that drama into your bedroom. I'm just, it sounds, to me, it gives me hives just to think about. Listen, I watched how many couple, my parents got married now three times each, I don't know, two times. And I watched them with their drama. And I was like, why are you bringing this shit to your fuck? Why? Why are we doing this? Why are you making everybody miserable in the house? Because they, they like drama. Drama drama recognizes drama. And it picks... And they fuck with your head, girl. That's why you feel crazy. Guys like this, they know that. He's manipulating you. He might be a narcissist. He might have a fucking personality disorder. He might be on drugs. He might be not medicated when he should be. I mean, there's a whole gaggle of reasons why this guy is playing mind games with you. And that's what they are, boo-boo. You're not crazy, but you are if you stick around. And if you let this guy fuck with you and manipulate you and rope you back into the drama. I got to come see you. We got to talk about this. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I like you, but I don't, I love you, but I trust me with a normal guy. It does not go down this way. They just don't operate like that. Normal, healthy people in general, uh, don't go through this, this level of, especially at the beginning. I mean, you're talking like fourth, fifth date type of stuff and he's already, getting weird and pulling the feeling like at that point in the game, you guys should be head over heels in love. You should be wanting to spend every night together and 
everything's wine and roses. This is the honeymoon phase. And if you're in the drama already at the honeymoon phase, oh, get your life. Get your fucking life. It is over. I'm, I, it just, it upsets me when I see good people, really good girls and men, especially men, they get roped into this shit too. <sighs> Uh, roped in by psycho bitches and psycho guys because these people do prey on nice people. They prey on codependent people, people who don't have firm boundaries, people who don't have the the courage to be like, nah, I'm good. Block. Here's how you deal with this problem, by the way, emailer. Block. <laughs> Gone. But but he we had such a thing and he wants to and he's got this book at his house that I I left my blanket at his house. I don't give a shit. Okay, it's $50 to replace whatever items he has of yours. But what if we see each other? Okay, then you see each other. You don't have to fall in love with this person. You have to have a family with this guy. On to the next one. On to the next one. It's a numbers game dating. It's a, it's a, it, you know what it is? It's you're just avoiding psychos. And there's a lot of fucking psychos out there. There's, you meet them all when you date. That's why it's got to be, it's misery dating. I hated dating. I, I hated it. I just, because I could tell by the first date who's a psycho. I can tell you in five minutes who a goddamn lunatic is. I remember I dated a car salesman once in college. <laughs> what? A, a guy was selling cars and he, he tells me in the first 10 minutes of the date, I've slept with over 170 women. We were 21 years old at the time. And I was like, okay, bye-bye gone. You've got some kind of addiction. You've got some love addiction problem, sex addiction, whatever. Gone. Bye-bye. People tell you who they are. You just have to pay attention to what they're saying. And if they do this horse shit, this weird back and forth, and guy, it's like, I mean, it's like a woman. He's a psycho, this guy. On to the next one. On to the healthier ones. Ugh. Oh, it kills me. And I see such nice people getting roped into this, these dramas, these dramas, these dragged out just nightmares. It doesn't have to be that way. But I feel bad for him. He needs me. She said she's going to kill herself if I stop dating her. Okay, well, I guess they're going to kill themselves. Because <laughs> it's not your responsibility. You got to take care of yourself, man. And if they, believe me, it's not you. If it, if it wasn't you, it was some other guy, she's going to kill herself over. So don't get roped into that. that. That person's sick, mentally ill, sick. They need help. You can't save them. The only thing you can do is let them go with love. Say goodbye with love. Not that you have to be an asshole, but <coughs> hey, this isn't good for me. This doesn't work for me. There's nothing wrong with pr- protecting yourself. I, I don't know why they don't teach this stuff in school. Why don't they teach you how to uh, get your life, maintain your boundaries, take care of yourself, take care of your health, take care of your sanity, take care of your 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 physical being, your money, your everything. Sanity. You know, we put up with this stuff with people because we've been trained to from from whatever experiences we had growing up. We think it's okay to let people manipulate and abuse and be jerks. And the hey, but hey, they're your mom and dad, right? Don't forget that too. Honor thy mother and honor the family. Family's number one. So it starts on even on your the people you live with, right? 
You're supposed to give people chances and let them be. uh, No, no, no. No. And then the movies and in television, they give you the wrong impression that you can turn people around and change them and make them better and whole. And it's just not the truth. It's just not the case. Go find somebody who's already together, who's already got their sanity in their life. Now, for girls listening, I always say, I recommend go f- if you're in your 20s right now or your 30s or whatever, you're looking for a partner, go, go find the guy who's a little, a little in need of some cosmetic help. By that, I mean the, the most of the greatest guys I've ever been friends with, ever known, ever married, <laughs> dated. I've always had stellar luck with boyfriends. Here's why. You, it's not the guy who looks like a model and whose clothes are perfect, and who's got the perfect career, and everything is 100% on. No. It's the guy who maybe could lose a few, or maybe his outfits aren't perfect. Maybe, you know, he's a little rough around those edges, but the core is solid, meaning morals are intact. They come from great families. Um, I wanted that personally because, well, my background's terrible. I wanted to be with somebody who could teach me how to be better than I am. Uh, You look at their work ethic, you look at their credit, you look at uh, how they treat other people, you look at their friendships, you look at where they want to be, not necessarily where they are today, especially with young men. I think a lot of guys get the pressure of having to be a millionaire by the time they're 30 and it's just not going to happen, most of us. And a lot of women are looking for that guy to be all together, perfect. Per- and no, it's not like that. But more or less together, you see the spark of the potential in the guy and the man he's going to become. Women, uh, if you're a guy and you're looking for a girl, yeah, same fucking thing. How does she treat you? How does she treat her friends, her family? Is she kind? Does she say what she's, does she keep her word? What's the morality like? What's the ethics? What's the what's the values inside of a person? Not the look so much and not the the package it comes in, because that shit fades first. That's the first thing you learn as an as a human being. All that all that fades. Beauty fades. Forget that. Fuck beauty. Don't go for that. But somebody's character, that's the real gold, right? The personality and the character. And do you see the world in the same way? Do you share the same values? You know, I think that's huge. That's huge. Do you see the world? Is, is your worldview compatible? All the other stuff, whatever. You figure all that stuff out, man. But anyways, my two cents. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to swim. What do you think of that? It's pretty exciting. It's like 90 degrees today outside in LA. I'm so excited. I'm going to go for my first swim. And uh, I'm going to waddle around the pool, guys. I, I fucking love swimming. It's my favorite thing in the world. Anyways, uh, email me. That's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. Come see me do stand-up live. I promise it's not as <laughs> it's not as serious <laughs> as this show. I just, I you know, I just feel like... I've just, with this podcast, I keep doing it. I just keep doing it because I've fucking learned these lessons the hard way. And I just wanted to give you what I know. It's not that I know it best. It's just, this is how I've perceived it. And 
And I just hope it helps fucking somebody. <laughs> That's all I hope. Okay. Um, Christina P online for stand up tickets. Oh, I just got a, I just got a, a, a agent email. I only have a handful of tickets left for Huntington Beach, so it looks like we're adding a show. Uh, and there you have it. Listen, I want you to know this. No matter where you're from, no matter who raised you, no matter what circumstances you grew up in, no matter fucking what color you are, how fat you are, how skinny you are, what race you are, what part of the world you came from, you're special, you're magical. The likelihood of your being is so improbable. The likelihood of this universe existing was improbable. And your existence is unique and fantastic and special and... uh and imagine, imagine, just imagine what life would be like if you felt this way about yourself, independent of anyone else's opinion or judgment. Imagine if you saw yourself as the magnificent snowflake that you fucking are. You are. Yeah, believe me, you are. I, 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 I'm making a human being right now as I'm talking to you, and it is miraculous. It's beyond mind-blowing that I'm sitting here as I'm just sitting here talking to you and I'm making a human being. I'm six months pregnant and I'm fucking making a person that doesn't exist right now in a sense like genetically or whatever and and they're special and unique and fun and anyways have fun with your life try not to take it too seriously okay I love you that's the bro podcast at gmail.com and let's uh, let's find my outro music today. I'm really good with this technical stuff. Okay, bye. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. Philosophize with. It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.